Welcome to another podcast of Dr. Leslie Bakupong. Be blessed as you listen. Hallelujah. Just begin to bless the name of the Lord wherever you are. Just lift up your voice, give Him glory, give Him praise, bless His holy name. He is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Just lift up your voice and bless His holy name, bless His holy name, bless His holy name. Give Him glory, give Him glory. Thank Him for your life. Thank Him for His goodness. Thank Him for His grace that is sufficient for us and for His strength that is made perfect even in the times of our weakness. Thank Him for today. Thank Him for looking after you from morning. It is evening now. The Bible says it's by His message that we are not consumed. Just lift up your voice and give Him glory and give Him praise in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your grace that is sufficient for us and for your strength that is made perfect even in the times of our weakness. We thank you for this gathering because it's unto no other name but unto the name of Jesus. As your word is about to come forth, let it come forth with power, let it bring illumination, let it bring transformation to the lives of the listeners in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I take authority in the realms of the spirit come against every machination of the enemy against this program and against the delivery of this word in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Pray that whoever has to listen to this word, whoever needs this word, will receive it in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I pray for utterance, Holy Spirit, take absolute control. Thank you, Lord. Take glory, Father. Take glory, Son. Take glory, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' most excellent name, how we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Hallelujah. We thank God for today. And um, I believe you are ready for the word. I started a series on Sunday. And um, as you all know, the series is on the abandoned life. And the anchor text. The Bible says, The thief cometh not but to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Hallelujah. When we talk about the abundant life, we are not only talking about a life of plenty, necessarily having your wallet full or your bank account full, but a life full of happiness, a life full of joy, a life well lived, where you live life to your fullest. You realize your potential. You seek, you find and fulfill your God-given destiny. A life that is able to handle the things that are thrown at you. A life that is able to absorb the shocks of life. Hallelujah. And so this is what this whole series is about. is to deal with real life situations and real life issues and how to deal with them. Things that will just help you to live life better. Hallelujah. And last Sunday, I spoke about dealing with inferiority complex. This one... Honestly, I don't have a title for it. Maybe as I'm preaching, you can you can suggest a title. We may decide to put it on the podcast. But I, I really don't have a... I, I, I tried to look for a title, but I couldn't get a title. Sometimes it's like that. You know what to say. But how to put everything in one sentence is a problem. So suggestions are welcome, even as you are listening. Hallelujah. But it's not going to be a very long one. It will be a short word of exhortation now we are talking about the abandoned life and you know life throws many things at us tonight I want to deal with some of the things that make life difficult for us some of the things that make life unpleasant for us we need to understand the fact that these things will come and we need to understand them in order to be able to deal with them when they come. Hallelujah. So what are some of these these, these things? I don't know whether to call them. Um, I don't know. The word is just not coming. That's why I can't get. So the, the English scholars, maybe you can suggest words for me. You know, I'm talking about things like rejection. 
I'm talking about things like storms. I'm talking about misfortune. I'm talking about things like discouragement. What one word can tie all of these things together? Me, I'm not too sure. I don't know. But I'm talking about those things that can make you sad. Those things that can take your joy away. Those things that can make you unhappy. And this exhortation doesn't have any particular structure. I'll just say certain things which I believe will help you. Hallelujah. When you jot them down, you go to meditate upon them. There are some of them you, you know already, but maybe you've just not thought about them so deeply. Alright? You've just not thought about them deeply. I want to first and foremost deal with the subject of rejection. How many of you have felt rejected before in life? One way or the other. Yes. Um, you have to accept the fact that rejection is part of life. Amen. And there are certain reasons why everybody will experience rejection at one point in time in life or the other. You will experience rejection. When I talk about rejection, I'm not only talking about um, you being sacked from your village or your town or anything like that. Many of you may never experience that in your life. But even an idea you believe is a powerful one in a meeting, you speak it and it's like nobody can see the sense in what you are saying. It is rejection. You feel very, very rejected. Hallelujah. All of those things is rejection. You like somebody, the person doesn't like you back. It's rejection. You need to understand the fact that rejection will come in life. So that when it comes, you don't contemplate suicide just because you feel you have been rejected. Hallelujah. There are certain things you need to understand in life, certain facts you must understand and accept in life. One of them is the fact that not everyone will like you. Not everyone will like you. There are some people, they want everybody to like them. If you show signs of not really liking them, they are sad. They want to try and worm their way into your heart, try to get into your good books. There are some people, whatever you do, they will not like you. And it's not their fault. They are just different from you. Hallelujah. We are so diverse as human beings. We are so different as human beings that we can all not like the same things. If you let this thing that I'm saying enter your mind, enter your spirit and you accept it, you'll be happier in life. That not everybody will like you. It's not everybody that will like you. At your workplace, not everybody will like you. In your classroom, not everybody will like you. Even in your church, not everybody will like you. As a pastor of the church, I'm not under any illusion that everybody in the church. What I'm doing now, I'm preaching. There are some people who are happy and excited about what I'm doing. There are some people who are also looking and saying, look at this man and look at what he's doing. But you see, you focus on those who are talking negative or you focus on those who are happy with what you are doing. Hallelujah. So, what are all these uh, pastors, they are talking too much on air. They should let us come and educate us on COVID-19. This is the hot news of the day. Let's talk about current affairs. What was this preaching that you are doing? Not everybody will like you and not everybody will like what you do. Not everybody will like you, not everything. I'm repeating it so that it enters your mind. Today's sermon is not deep, it's a very, very simple one. Just, just very, very simple everyday things I'm sharing with you. Not everybody will like you. Stop eating yourself up about that person who just doesn't seem to like you. Sometimes you are a student, you are good in class, all your teachers like you. But there's one who just does not like you. You do whatever, the person just does not like you. I remember when I was in primary school, every class I went to, all my teachers liked me. But there was this class I went to, and it was as if this particular teacher, you know what the, I can't say, it's like, for no apparent reason. This man will find a fault with everything that I did. And oh, the class voted me as class prefect. He came to stand in front of the class and said, Why did you vote him as a class prefect? All sorts of things. Like, but looking back, you just have to accept that it is not, not everybody will like you. And not everybody will like what you do. Stop getting depressed just because somebody doesn't like you. Especially if those people don't matter in your life. You know, there are people who matter in your life and people who don't matter in your life. When those who matter in your life don't like you, it's a cause for worry. 
But there are some people who don't add a jot to your life. They don't add any inch to your height. They don't put food on your table. They don't put money in your pocket. They are not your employee. They, they don't have any locus in your life. Don't worry your head about such people. Hallelujah. Don't get depressed just because you know you, you, you feel rejected by somebody. The person just doesn't like you. Look at what Jesus said in Luke chapter 6 verse 26. In fact, when everybody likes you, you should be worried. That's what Jesus is saying. Is there woe? When the Bible says woe in King James, it means be very worried and be very careful. Woe unto you when all men shall speak well of you. That means don't expect everybody to speak well of you. You have people who will gossip negatively about you. It is a normal part of life. Not everybody will, will give a good report about you all the time. There are people who... You see, when you get upset about gossip, ask yourself whether you yourself you have gossiped before. And most likely the answer will be yes. You have also gossiped about somebody. It is a part of life. This is I'm sharing today are facts of life that will never change. The facts of life that will never change. Not everybody will like you. Not everybody will like what you do. Whatever you do, people will talk. Whatever you do, people will talk. They will discuss you. And by the time the discussion comes out and reaches the 10th person, the story will be different from what it started as. That is the power of gossip. There are times you hear things about yourself and you wonder, ah, which evil person sat down and concocted this? Most of the time, it's not, it's not like one person concocted it. It is called, uh, what do you call it? Transfer of information. By the time it gets to the 10th person, the thing will be completely different from what was said in the beginning. I'm telling you this thing so that you don't be too worried in life. When you hear this person is going to say this about you, it is a normal part of life. It will happen. If it's not happened yet, just get ready. It will happen at one particular point in time or the other. Hallelujah. Not everybody will like you. Not everybody will like what you do. And people will always talk about you. People will always talk about you. You will always be a subject of somebody's discussion. In fact, when you are a subject of people's discussions, it's, a, it's an indication that probably you, there's some greatness in you. Hallelujah. It said great minds discuss great issues. Great minds discuss great issues. While little minds discuss the great people. <laughs> so it's a small, small mind and they decide to discuss you because you are a great person. Hallelujah. Yes, there's something significant about you, so don't don't worry. People want to commit suicide when they hear, oh, somebody has going to say this about me. Somebody will say, What didn't they say about Jesus Christ? Even the perfect son of God who never did any evil. Jesus never did any evil, he never thought evil. That's serious. That's the level of perfection the man had. Even him, they said things about him. They said things about him. David said he was uh, using a satanic power to heal the sick. So pastor, don't be worried. Don't be too worried. When you know your source and you know that your source is the Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they are saying, ah, this is your anointing. It's questionable. Whose report would you believe? Hallelujah. People will say things about you. They saw Jesus healing somebody. Casting out the devil. They said, no, this man is using Baalzebub. The prince of demons. That is why he is able to cast out the devils. They will say people will say things. So don't be too worried. Don't be too too depressed when you experience rejection in life. Hallelujah. But you need to know that no one has the power to define you. No human being. No human being has the, the power to define you. Don't let the opinions, especially of those who don't really matter in your life, bring you down and prevent you from pursuing the things you're supposed to pursue in life. But you see, when it comes to the subject of rejection, there's rejection you cannot do anything about. You can't. It's like you can't let the people like you. But there's also rejection you can do something about. Hallelujah. For example, in ministry, people experience a lot of rejection. 
There are places you go to minister and you are accepted. Your ministration is accepted. You you live and you feel like, oh, I've, 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 like you feel fulfilled. There are some places you go. And even when you are preaching, even when you are ministering, now I hear some of the pastors that have come, they have this uh, cream they call back to sender. It's as if the people have smeared back to sender. It's like whatever you are saying, back to you. <laughs> Everything is bouncing off and coming back to you like that. But there are other places you go and they can't even have enough of you. They want you every week. They want you every time. It is a normal part of life. Look, anybody who is in ministry listening to me, it's not everybody who will be excited about your ministry. It's not everybody who will like your style. Somebody will say you shout too much when you preach. Somebody will say you are too cool when you preach. Who are you going to satisfy? Hallelujah. You can't satisfy everybody. They say, oh, when you sing, you like three songs too much. Some people say, you like English songs too much. Calm down, calm down, look out. You cannot satisfy everybody. Hallelujah. So there are, there are kinds of rejection that you can do something about. There are others too you cannot do anything about. The rejection you can do something about. You see, in ministry, for example, and even in life generally, one of the ways of dealing with rejection is to be fluid. When I say you, you are fluid, one of the characteristics of a fluid is that it can change its shape and take the shape of the container it finds itself. Hallelujah. It's called dynamism. Sometimes the rejection is because of your staff. There's a way you are doing the thing that is just not getting to the people. That's why they are not accepting it. So you, you must learn to speak the language of the people. You must learn to be fluid. You must learn to adapt. Hallelujah. If you go to a place you want to preach to them and the people are mainly illiterates, you go to open the Bible, you start speaking big English and you worsen it with Greek and Hebrew and trying to bring out big, big revelations. The people will just be, uh, you, what do you call it? <laughs> Finding themselves and yawning and waiting for you to finish for them to go and eat their banku and sleep. Meanwhile, you are there talking big, big, big English and stuff like that. That is when you need to be fluid. Hallelujah. I like what Paul said. That's one of the secrets of Paul's success in ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 20 to 23. You must learn to be fluid in life. Learn to be fluid in life. He said, and unto the Jews I became a Jew. That I might gain the Jews. To them that are under the law, as under the law, that I might gain them that are under the law. Next. He said, to them that are without law or without law, being not without law to God, but under the law of Christ, that I might gain them that are without law. Next. The verse 22. He said, to the weak, I became weak, that I might gain the weak. I am made all things to all men that I might by all means save some. In the verse 23, what did he say? And that I do for the gospel's sake that I might be a partaker thereof with you. Hallelujah. At times when you go to missions, they'll say, don't put on makeup and things like that. There are some people where they are coming from and stuff like that when you wear these things they see you as you are some way that alone is a barrier and they will reject whatever it is that you are coming to see so for that period that you are there just be like them dress like them you see foreigners come to do crusades in Africa and they are wearing African print actually African print looks good on Africans it's like it was made for us. <laughs> when white people wear African braid, it doesn't look that good. We look good in their suits. <laughs> when white people wear African braid, it's like there's something wrong. So I don't know whether it's just me, but when I see it, it's like something is not right somewhere. I don't know if I'm alone in this matter. But, but they wear it because they want to communicate to the people. They are being fluid. Hallelujah. You need to learn to be fluid in ministry. In your career, you must learn to be fluid without compromising on your principles. When I say being fluid, it doesn't mean, oh, now we have to be everything. Hey, so if these people, they drink, then let us also drink. To the drunkard, I became a drunkard. To the humanizer, I became a humanizer. To the thief, I became a thief. No, that's not what you're saying. 
You must be fluid without compromising on your principles and God's word. Hallelujah. Yeah. So there's rejection you can do something about. Your ministry is not going where it's supposed to go because you are too rigid. As for me, this is how I do my things. This is how God called me. You don't even want to accept oh constructive criticisms and things like that. You are too rigid. That is why the rejection is coming. So there is rejection you can do something about. Hallelujah. There's something we call negativity. There are people who are very negative. It's like they don't encourage you. Anything you see, they will just try and find it. I tried to find the, the definition for negativity. It said the expression of criticism or pessimism about something. Pessimism is the opposite of optimism. When you want to achieve something, eh, those are the kind of people you don't want around you. People who exhibit negativity. It's like, oh, Charlie, I want to marry in two years. Oh, <laughs> you. <laughs> It's, it's called negativity. Negativity. It's called negativity. It is something you will experience whether you like it or not. And I want you to understand something when it comes to negativity. Dealing with negativity. A lot of relationships have been ruined because people have exhibited negativity towards some people's dreams or some people's ambitions. There are people who exhibit negativity for evil reasons. Let's not kid ourselves about that. There are some people, they just don't want to see you progress. They don't want to see good things happen in your life. So they always be negative. It's like, there are people who are competing with you, but you don't know they are competing with you in life. They are looking at where you've reached. It's like you are their standard. So when you are progressing, it's like you are leaving me behind too much. So there are people who are negative for all sorts of reasons. When... They see that, ah, doesn't if you pursue it. Oh, it, it, will, it will take you far. You go. They try to, you know, bring all sorts of reasons why you shouldn't do it. So there are people who exhibit negativity for evil reasons. But I also want you to understand that it's not every kind of negativity that is expressed that has evil intentions. Some of the people who seem to exhibit negativity towards certain plans of yours, it is out of genuine concern. Hallelujah. It is out of genuine concern. What I'm saying right now, it will help to save some relationships, some friendships. Because you've, you've, you've set something, you've, you've set something ahead of you and somebody around you is saying, oh, this thing, I don't think it will. It's not necessarily because the person doesn't want you to succeed. It's probably because the person is genuinely scared that it will not work. Hallelujah. I'll show you an example. Jesus told his disciples about his crucifixion. And Peter exhibited a lot of negativity towards that agenda. The Bible said he called Jesus aside and and rebuked him. How can you rebuke your boss like that? He rebuked him like, no, don't don't say these things. You are going to die saying, you know. But the thing is that that is why he came. That was his purpose. He was trying to share his purpose with you. This is my destiny. This is what I want to do. Just like you shared with somebody else. This is what I have in my mind. I say, no, 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 please, come, come. A person calls you aside and rebukes you that, look, don't be saying that. Don't be dreaming. These are not the times to be talking like that and stuff like that. Peter didn't have negative intentions. It's not like Peter didn't want Jesus to fulfill his purpose. He was genuinely concerned. So I want you to understand that it's not everybody who is being negative towards your ambitions, towards your plans, who actually has negative intentions hallelujah there are some people who are out and out discouragers they they just want to discourage you they know this thing you can do it they know it will work but they just want to discourage you it's not always that the negativity is is born out of a negative spirit or, or a negative intention towards what you are doing it's genuine concern maybe when they look at the thing they think look Maybe this thing, if you go and you fail, the effect on you will be so bad, I may have to be the one to be there, to have to deal with the effect of the thing not working. That is why they are talking that way. It's not necessarily because they don't want you to succeed. Hallelujah. So we must learn to, to, to understand 
the various faces of negativity because you are going to experience it in life you you are going to confront it in life and you must know how to look at it and how to see it amen another point i want to share with you you understanding why i don't have a title for this one uh-huh it's many things it's a jambalaya and a, and a mixture of many things one thing you should know is that every misfortune is a redirection for life yes every misfortune is a redirection for life joseph said something to his brothers he said you meant it for evil but the lord turned it for good there's no misfortune that will hit you there's no disappointment that will hit you that you must allow to come and pass without you extracting some good out of it let this mentality enter your spirit today even if it's a bad situation there is something i must extract from it there's a lesson i must learn there's a life lesson i must learn there's there's something i must equip myself with before it comes to pass hallelujah we are told of the man who invented the light bulb that he did it several times whether hundreds or half read so many figures some say thousands some say 700 times but whatever it is he did it so many times before he finally succeeded and somebody asked him why is it that you did it so many times and you never give up he said i never give up because anytime i did it and it didn't work i knew that this is one way of not doing it so i will not repeat it so what it meant was that he has reduced his mistakes by one Somebody can just, ah, I've done it, it's not working. And that is, no, I take it that I've learned another way of not doing it until he finally got the right thing. And that is the attitude you must have towards misfortunes, things that don't work around us. Even when it comes to hearing God, sometimes you are sure you heard God. Oh, this one, I heard God. And the thing comes and you realize you did not hear God. Don't get disappointed. Don't get worried that you are not spiritual enough. Take it that you have learned another way of not hearing God, at least for yourself. Hallelujah. When it comes to the subject of hearing God, it is an ongoing school that nobody will ever graduate from. And so we get to heaven where we can hear God perfectly and clearly because we are, we are in the spirit by then. You, you will make mistakes when it comes to hearing God. Bishop Oyedipo said he thinks he has heard God wrongly more times than he's heard him right. But even with that, look at what God has done with his life. Hallelujah. Yeah. Every misfortune is a redirection for life. Don't let it come and pass just like that. You, you must extract something from it. I've learned a lot from things that didn't go well in my life, in ministry and all of that. I, I won't allow that thing to happen a second time. Amen. And that should be your mentality. That should be your, 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 your focus. You try something. The thing doesn't work. It doesn't yield what you want it to yield. You examine it. Okay, babe, I didn't do it. Well, I did this, 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 this. You try again. It doesn't work. Blah, blah, blah. But don't just throw your arms in the air. Oh, I failed. It didn't do well. I'm depressed. And, you know, you just let things go like that. Don't waste your misfortune. Don't waste it. It comes to come and take your joy away. It comes to come and take your peace away. But don't waste it. It's like, I'm not going to let you come and pass without me also extracting something from you. you you've come to extract my joy. You've come to waste my time. I will also learn something from you before you leave the system. Hallelujah. So take every misfortune as a redirection in life. Even including the misfortune of being rejected by the opposite sex. Take it as a redirection in life. Hallelujah. Yes, I believe believers cannot be bounced. You, you are redirected to the right person eventually. Sometimes people marry and they are like, Oh, thank God I was bounced by that lady. May that be your story in the name of Jesus. Ah, thank God. Thank God she didn't accept me. Thank God he did not accept me. Because it's a redirection. And I've used this analogy before. It's like football. You are trying to kick a ball into the net. And you hit it and it's about to go the wrong way. Outside the post altogether. And then it just hits a defender and deflects into the pool. That's how bouncing is like. You thought you were going to score a goal. 
it went and deflected in another direction into somebody else's waiting arms hallelujah and that rather was the goal that rather was what you were looking for so don't let misfortunes come in and, and just go like that in life learn something from it and know that every misfortune is a redirection for life value your days in the wilderness Everybody will have a wilderness period or wilderness periods in life. Some people, their, their life is a long, unending story of a wilderness. <laughs> but may you come out of your wilderness very soon. There's something we call the wilderness. And you need to value your days in the wilderness. There are certain characteristics of a wilderness. One, the wilderness is a lonely place. There are times in life you are alone, literally. You may not be alone physically. Sometimes with your dream, you may be alone in your dream. Because probably the people around you haven't seen what you have seen. So you are alone there. But sometimes this can also be physical loneliness. Where people just reject you, people just leave you for one reason or the other. It is a wilderness period. Sometimes when you're expecting encouragement from certain sources, they don't come. Look out for encouragement from an unexpected source. There are a lot of times God tries to encourage you from an unexpected source, but we are fixed in our minds about where the encouragement must come from. Look at Jesus on the cross. Look. All his right-hand people. Peter, nowhere to be found. Of all the twelve, okay, Judas was busy trying to commit suicide. With the exception of John, all of them disappeared. His mother was there crying. She couldn't do much for him. And the man was at his lowest ebb, spiritually, physically, emotionally. Physically, he had been beaten, his body torn into pieces by the lashes, emotionally, Seeing that the people who were around him when he was multiplying bread, dear, yeah, we are Jesus' people. Hey, you sit here, hey, you are taking two bread, it is not allowed. This, that, 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 that. When the man was at the peak of his powers, they wanted to be identified with him. But now that he had been caught, stripped naked, disgraced, he looked around, he couldn't find any of them. So, emotionally. His soul was wounded at that point. His body was wounded at that point. His soul was wounded. His spirit was also down. Why? You know, when you have been at a certain level of spirituality, you felt God all the time, but suddenly, you see, Jesus was used to feeling God all the time. They said he went about doing good, healing the sick. Why? Because God was with him. He never lacked the presence. The presence was always there. But now, at that point when he was going to be crucified, or when he was being crucified, he called father, father. Uh-uh. His earthly father wasn't there. Now heavenly father too was not there. Thank God for mothers. At least his earthly mother was at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Yeah. That's why Mother's Day, you must appreciate the mothers in your life. Amen. Oh, the fathers are disappeared. <laughs> Even heavenly father. He called, called, called. Oh, he said, poppy, poppy. He said, hey, I cannot hear you. Yeah. So he was at a low point and you have people taunting you that look if you are the son of god just come down from this cross and truly he could have done it he needed to exercise a lot of self-control he told the people i can ask my father to send what 12 legions i mean seventy-two thousand angels to come they would have cleared the people all of a sudden and the angels would have obeyed because that was God commanding them. I'm talking about Jesus Christ. But he had to restrict himself. In the midst of all the taunting, look at you. You say you are this, you say you are that, you say you are that. Discouragement. There was a lot of discouragement for him to come down from the cross. But thank God he didn't. Hallelujah. I don't know what would have happened to us if Jesus had not endured and held on. Till the very last minute. When all the possible sources of encouragement, even from his heavenly father, was not coming, he got encouragement from an unlikely source. While one man by his side said, if you say you are the son of God, 
Come down, save yourself and save us also. Suddenly, the other one spoke words that I believe energized Jesus for him to finish the assignment. He said, remember me when you enter your kingdom. I'm sure suddenly Jesus remembered, ah, there is a reason for what I'm doing this thing. It's for people like this that I came to die. It just energized him. I was like, look, I won't come down from this cross. I will endure this thing to the end. They can say whatever it is that they are saying. I will not come down from the cross. I'm going to finish this course. There are times when the encouragement comes from unlikely sources. Open your eyes to these sources. Hallelujah. Sometimes the people can be encouraging you and they don't even know they are encouraging you. Somebody will just come and say something. They think they are just saying something. But they are solving a problem for you. Amen. I tell you, preachers go through a lot of things. When you see pastors and stuff like that, you say, a pastor's beddings are many. Many people leave church on Sunday excited. But a pastor will leave on Sunday after preaching and everything. You talk to people and you live with the people's beddings. That's if you're a good pastor. A bad pastor will just say, oh, hello, oh, we'll pray. Oh, just say, and that is it. If you're a good pastor. Sunday is when you are burdened the most because this person will come and see you. Oh, I have a problem with this. I have a problem with this, this, that. Oh, I'm sick here and there and blah, blah. If you're a good shepherd, you are going to leave church on Sunday with burdens upon your head. Hallelujah. So spiritual leaders go through a lot of things. At times you are down and you know, Satan too comes and, and brings all sorts of discouragements. Those of you who minister, whether in song or whatever, you know that days you finish and you can only remember the mistakes that no one else remembers. And you are being bombarded with discouragement, discouragement. Sometimes it is that one text from an unlikely source that says, I was blessed by your ministration. That just encourages you. Hallelujah. Look, we are encouraged when you let us know that what we are doing or what we did has been a blessing unto you. Anybody who tells you those things don't work and those things don't energize them is a liar. Hallelujah. It, 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 it works. It, it, just, it just negates the voice of the enemy that comes to point out all sorts of mistakes that nobody else realizes. That's how the spirit of discouragement works. Elijah, after his greatest triumph, was sitting there saying, I'm like my father, so I have failed. Really? You call slaughtering 850 evil prophets calling down fire failure then all of us we fail really lighting a candle crowd we struggle in the wind you you can call down fire and to consume a, a whole sacrifice like that and you say you are failed then all of us we, we fail double encouragement can come from unlikely sources open your eyes to those unlikely sources and appreciate them when they come so there's loneliness. There's loneliness in the wilderness. Jesus was lonely in the wilderness. And with the loneliness also comes dryness in the wilderness. Dryness. Financial dryness. Where your account is dry, your pocket is dry, your wallet is dry, ATM dry, like everything is dry. It's one of the characteristics of the wilderness. There's a lot of dryness. But you see, you must value your days in the wilderness. Those days when, like now, when you can't have everything that you want. You need to learn to economize. You need to learn to be thrifty. Value these days. Because the time will come when you don't even need a budget. Because you have more than enough. Hallelujah. So value these days where you have to do debit and credit and you have to calculate things and turn yourself into an accountant. Value these days when you have to postpone certain things. Certain things you want, you wish you could have now. But you need to postpone them. Because the budget is not reaching, it's not adding up. These are days in the wilderness that you must value. And the, and the wilderness is also characterized by temptation. Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. When you are going through the wilderness, you can be very vulnerable to temptation. And the truth is that in the wilderness, temptations are more enticing. Look at the first thing Satan tempted Jesus with in the wilderness. He said, if you are really the son of God, 
turned this rock into bread because the man was hungry. Satan will always hit you hardest with your most important need at any particular point in time. If you're at a point in time in your life where you need attention, he will bring the wrong person to try to give you that attention. Ladies, are you listening to me? He will bring the wrong person to try to give you that attention. And if you fall to it, it becomes a problem. Hallelujah. Yeah, you always find, find a way of solving your problem for you in a corrupt way. Temptations are more enticing in the wilderness period. They are more enticing. Can you imagine Jesus fasting 40 days, 40 nights, and Charlie, bread, he just can't imagine how nice it would be to sink his teeth into the bread and chew it and swallow it and, you know, that kind of thing. It must have been a very, very serious temptation. But thank God he didn't succumb to it. If he had succumbed to it, his blood would not have been worthy to cleanse our sin. Hallelujah. Thank God for Jesus Christ. So there's temptation in the wilderness. Temptation to take shortcuts. Temptations to compromise. You can get to a point where you need money so badly somebody comes with some suggestion. And you know this in one, is illegal. Two, it is not honest. That is when rationalization comes in. Let me do it and pray for forgiveness. After all, the blood of Jesus. He said, if we sin and we confess, he's faithful and just to forgive us of all our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You are preaching to yourself and taking God through Bible study. The book that he wrote himself, you are trying to take him through Bible study. The wilderness period. Temptations are more enticing. Can you imagine your landlord is on your neck? Pay your rent or I throw your things out. And trust me, Satan knows your situation and you always try and bring a negative or a bad alternative to solve the problem for you. That is when the married man in the S-class sees you walking around on the streets. Say, lady, come, 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 come. You get close to the car, even when they roll down the, the windows and you see the nice lighting and things in the car, your brain even begins to chill already. Says, come and sit down. Where are you going? Let me give you a lift. Say, so, oh, but there's nothing. The Bible doesn't say that shall not take a lift. <laughs> Let me just sit in the car. Let's go. As you are going, the air conditioner is blowing on you, and the nice Bemesta speakers and things are playing nice music in the car. You are like, oh, so life can be this good for some people. Temptation. He makes you an offer. And you think, hey, my thing's being thrown out of my house. And it's the rainy season too. It's not like my father has a place. My father is far away in some other region. Your mother is somewhere. Trust me, during those times, Satan will bring you a negative alternative. And that is when you have to stand your ground. Hallelujah. That is when you need to stand your ground. Negative alternatives. In ministry, when you are going through, there's a wilderness period in ministry. Where you know you are anointed, but it's as if things are not going well. There are a lot of ministers who are in that phase of their ministry. All you need to do is to endure that period. You know you are anointed, you know you have the call of God upon your life, but things are just not going the way they are supposed to go. If Jesus went through the wilderness before he broke out in ministry, you also go through the wilderness. Hallelujah. But you need to value the wilderness period. You need to value the wilderness period. And it is during this period, Satan will come. All sorts of alternatives. I've said it several times. Those so-called pastors who are using occultic powers to do what they, they are doing. They are not people who are walking on the street who are not born again, who didn't know God. And just got up one day and decided, let me go for some powers to come and start a church. There are people who were already in church. They were Christians. But they were frustrated Christians and frustrated ministers. They couldn't endure the wilderness period. They couldn't stand through the wilderness period. Instead of taking strength from the wilderness, they just decided to compromise. Satan presented them with a negative alternative and they took it. Just like he presented Jesus 
with a negative alternative to the fulfillment of his ministry. The reason Jesus Christ came was to die to redeem the well. And the last of the three temptations, Satan came. He said, this wealth, look at it. It has been given unto me. Was he lying? No. Because Adam and Eve willingly gave up that dominion that God gave to them to him. So, the Bible calls him the God of this world. He said, it's been given unto me. I can give it to whoever I want. If Satan hands over the world to Jesus, his work is done. Save the world. Do whatever you want with it. You just have to do one thing. Let your knee touch the ground and worship me. That is it. An alternative. An evil alternative. And I'm sure somewhere, Satan also whispered. That will mean no cross. No beating. No spitting on your face. No nails. But at the end of the day, the world is yours. You can choose to do whatever you want to do with it. A negative alternative, a negative shortcut. And all of us in our lives will be confronted with negative shortcuts, negative alternatives. My prayer for you is that you will stand in that day. When that temptation comes, you will, you will find yourself not compromising your belief. You will find yourself not compromising your calling. You will find yourself standing sure for that which God has called you to do in the workplace. There will be negative alternatives that will be presented to you. Oh, let us forge these papers and this, this, this and suddenly we'll make 200,000 Ghana cities each. That foundation that you want to build, the land you want to buy, remember the land that you want to buy, that they say is 40,000 Ghana cities. You buy, you do foundation or your life will be easy. Just forge a signature. Just go and lie about somebody. Let the person be sacked. You take the person's position and your life becomes easy. Because yeah, at that particular point in time, you were in the wilderness, things were difficult. You couldn't make ends meet. Budgets were just not reaching. Things were not adding up. So it was a good alternative for you. That time of loneliness, where you needed somebody to talk to. And that work colleague of yours decides to be the one you talk to. And suddenly you start getting emotionally attached to the person. And you start chatting deep into the night. Whatsapping deep into the night Video calling deep into the night Weekends let's go and sit at a drinking spot and drink With time you realize You are committing emotional infidelity And it becomes physical infidelity Adultery And you are trapped in the corner Pregnancy comes in And now you are Hey I'm a Christian Should I go and abort the pregnancy if you are married should i go and give the pregnancy to my 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 husband and these are things that happen i've done a rotation at the blood bank before several years i've said the same to you many times those days dna machines were not uh, popular so the paternity tests were handled by the blood service we use your blood group to determine whether this person could be the father that was when i was training to be a hematologist all the paternity tests we did for the three-month period I was there, there was none of them that the supposed father was the father. All of them, somebody had passed some way. Three months. It's because of things like this. When people can't handle difficult situations in life, difficult situations in marriage, my prayer for you today is that God will give you the grace to go through the wilderness period. Because the wilderness period will not last forever. It will end at a particular point in time. And may you be found triumphant when it ends. May you be found to to say that I did not compromise. I did not compromise my principles. I did not compromise my values. I stood for what I believe in. I pray that the Lord will strengthen you in your resolve in life. I've spoken about rejection. You will face it, but you will triumph over rejection. I've talked about negativity. It will come around you, but you will have the wisdom and you will know how to handle negativity when it comes. Know that nobody can put you down. Nobody can determine your life. Nobody has the power to determine your life. Not everybody will like you. Not everybody will like what you do. 
not everybody will say good things about you misrepresentation it may happen to you at a point in time know that it is a part of life don't let it kill you when people look at something you've done and, and they go to twist it and make it sound completely different just to make you look bad even the perfect Jesus Christ went through it and the Bible says a servant cannot be greater than his master if Jesus went through it you may also go through it but don't let it kill you don't let it end your life just know that it is a normal part of life I want to pray for you this evening I feel there are some of you who are suffering from the effects of rejection some of you are suffering from the effects of betrayal some of you are, are, are suffering from the effects of feeling like people don't like you but today my prayer for you is that God will strengthen you God will give you that grace to be able to go through the spirit father in the name of Jesus I pray for those that are under the sound of my voice those that are experiencing rejection those that are experiencing loneliness those who feel like people don't like them I pray that your Holy Spirit will touch them right now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth those that are going through periods of anxiety those that, that, that are going through periods where they want acceptance I pray that tonight even as your word has come your Holy Spirit will minister to them and minister to their spirits and, 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 and let your Holy Spirit let them know that the most important person they need in their lives is you, you yourself once they have you they have everything it doesn't matter who rejects them it doesn't matter who doesn't like them once they have the love of God and the life of Christ they are alright in life I pray in the name of Jesus that every form of anxiety will be taken out of your people's hearts every form of a feeling of being rejected will be taken out of people's hearts those who are contemplating even ending their lives just because they have been rejected one way or the other I pray that your Holy Spirit will deliver them in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I pray for a new level of joy to come into the hearts and the lives of your people. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Your word says be anxious for nothing but in all things with prayer and supplication. Let your request be known unto God. We come against fear. We come against anxiety. We come against rejection. We come against the effects of loneliness in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the Son of the living God. If you are listening to me, if not giving your life to Christ, I want to give you the chance to do that right now. Maybe you even go to church, but you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And you are not sure that if you should die now, you will go to heaven. Or if the rapture should occur, you are going to be raptured. I want to give you the chance to correct that right now. And all you have to do is to say this prayer after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I thank you for Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. I believe he died and he rose again on the third day. I believe his blood can cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Say, today, I reject Satan and all his works. I accept Jesus as my Lord and personal Savior. Say tonight, I receive the life of Christ. Thank you, Lord, that my name is written in the book of life. Thank you, Lord, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Trust you have been blessed by this message. For more information, reach us on 024-873-7250 or on our Facebook page, The Overflow Worship Center. Stay blessed. Overflow!